0: Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, my name is Charlie Gross. I am the Associate Executive Presbyter for the Presbytery of Donegal. I'm hosting this podcast series titled Missional Church Conversations, Making It Real. The basis of this conversation will be a series of interviews with a wide variety of leaders in the field of the missional church. These leaders will come in the form of professors, pastors, elders, deacons, and sisters and brothers in Christ, who are experimenting with new ways of being the church in the world today. My hope is that these conversations will inspire you, challenge you, inform you, change you, and push you into the world with boldness and confidence to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. My guest today is the Reverend Elizabeth Brooken Sturman. Elizabeth lives in Brambleton, Virginia, with her husband and two daughters. She was ordained as a pastor in the Presbyterian Church, USA, in 1996. She served churches in Berkeley, California, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and has also filled a variety of other ministry roles here in the United States and overseas. Besides Brambleton Presbyterian Church, Elizabeth loves spending time with her family. They like to travel, spend time with good friends, ski, hike, watch CC play soccer and see Lucy's eyes light up when she makes them all laugh. Elizabeth, welcome to the call today.
1: Well, thank you, Charlie, and greetings and grace to you as well, and hello to everyone else.
0: Hmm, Thank you. Elizabeth, my hope is that you can introduce our audience to the concept of the missional church as you see it unfolding in Brambleton or other church settings, and perhaps give us one or two concrete steps to take toward this way of living out our faith. So let's get started with um, being introduced to Brambleton Presbyterian Church, the setting and the context.
1: Well, thanks for asking. Uh, Brambleton is a relatively new community in northern Virginia, just uh, in the nation's capital, not too far from Washington, D.C., and uh, the church itself is relatively new. In fact, we're not actually chartered, chartered as an official Presbyterian church yet. We are still in the uh, new church development phase. So a little background, I think, would be helpful in in helping you to understand um, what Brambleton Presbyterian Church is all about or what we're learning it's all about anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say since about the early 1980s or so, uh, the growth in the eastern part of Loudoun County in Virginia was uh, experienced unprecedented residential growth. Um, that was actually happening in a lot of Virginia, but uh, you know, not only in Virginia but in the nation as well. But anyway, um, as it pertains to Virginia, in the decade that was, I guess, about 1990 to 2000, the population of Northern Virginia grew about 25 percent. Population in the Loudoun County, where Brambleton is located, grew about 97 percent during that same period of time. So, you know, back in the 80s, the Presbytery was, uh, the National Capital Presbytery was really watching the growth and began to planfully um, think about planning a church in this part of Northern Virginia Presbyterian Church, a new one, though there are PCUSA churches, you know, very close to us. There, there really weren't enough, so to speak, to service the population that was expected here in Northern Virginia, you know, in the in the decade of 2000. Mm-hmm. So um, Brambleton itself was con- was conceived to be a new community uh, located in Loudoun County. Uh, It's near the Dulles Airport. It was uh, sort of situated in part of the county where there were about 2,000 acres of rolling farms. And, you know, in the decade of 2000, it was expected that that this community would would eventually be built out and consist of about 9,000 homes. Mm. So, you know, over a series of, you know, that same decade preceding 2000, the Presbytery planfully Uh, put the steps and the resources in place to launch Brambleton Presbyterian Church. And that's how we got here.
0: Hmm, Okay. Well, could we shift a little bit the discussion in how you define the missional church or perhaps share how you preach it, teach it, and make that concept come alive?
1: Well, this phrase, the missional church, is actually really germane and important as I thought about moving here to partner with the Presbytery to launch this new church. um, It's informed a lot of my thinking. You know, maybe a little bit of background again on the on the term itself. Um, There's a lot to be read out there, lots and lots of good books. But I would say as a practitioner, my thinking, especially as it pertains to this particular church, the launch of this new church, is, has been significantly influenced by the writings and the teaching um, of Daryl Guter, who is, of course, one of the professors at Princeton Seminary, and Milfred Manitrea. Manitrea is a um, Baptist. Um, uh, I can't, can't think off the top of my head exactly where he's at now, but he has been... Um, in the past, or maybe still is, the director of the Missional Church Center for the Baptist Convention, the General Baptist Convention in Texas. Mm. So there, his, he's written a great book that was really helpful for um, the, the steering team or the visioning team that I worked with in the initial launch of this church called Shaped by God's Heart. Anybody interested um, in a quick read on missional church, I highly recommend that book. But briefly... Um, Uh, Just for a little background, the term missional church I think is relatively new for us in the um, Christian ministry. I think it was probably coined, according to my reading, somewhere in the 1990s, Um, and it popped up, as far as I can tell, in response to two growing realities in the U.S. One is what we all know, and that is that the culture in the U.S. has become increasingly hostile toward Christianity. And the second is that many established churches, churches that have been around for a long time, many established Christian churches, in response to the culture's hostility toward Christianity, um, became more focused inwardly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as these two realities grew in the U.S., the church settled into a sort of a state of complacency um, about uh, sharing the faith. So, you know, I love there's a little section in Manitrea's book um, that outlines sort of, uh, you know, what God calls us to do. It's all around the Missio Day, excuse me, the Amagio Day, the Missio Day, and the Gloria Day. So, you know, little theology background, we're all made in God's image, Amagio Day, and God created us to share his image in the world, to be his image in the world. But, of course, that purpose in us, was um, broken when we yielded to sin, and so once, you know, once God went through the redemption process with us, you know, we're called to return to that original purpose by sharing, you know, God in the world, the missio dei. Um. So, you know, and we do that to bring glory to God's name. So, you know, as the church got away from that original purpose, and um, you know, what happened is that kind of reaching out in the name of Christ and bringing others to a saving relationship in Jesus Christ, the church has slipped into sort of a maintenance mode. They're responding to this hostility in the culture against Christianity, and they dealt with that by focusing on the needs of the people who were already present in their church. And so missions was sectioned off sort of as a specialized ministry in the church. It was an expression of ministry rather than the ethos that permeated the air that people breathe, so to speak, in the church. Hmm. So, you know, missional churches, as I see them, are ones that are spun around the idea of giving themselves away for the sake of making God known in the world through, you know, Jesus Christ to bring his name glory. So the churches are, are just spun around that vision or that mission. Mm. Does that does that mm-hmm. answer your
0: question? It, it does. How do you, can you give us some examples of how you're leading Brambleton to not look inward, but to, you know, to be spun around, um, giving themselves away? Um, so how do you, how do you lead the congregation? What's, what's been working for you or what's maybe been less effective? If you could share that.
1: Well, I think that you know early on, one of the things that was really clear to the to the team uh that we called together is that you know the people in the culture around us are very comfortable with existing with a plurality of ideas, a plurality of truth um, and so you know, when we started, you know our goal was just to put it right out there be very clear about who we were and what we believed and what we were about as people were walking through the door. So, you know, even though we are located in a mission context that's very edgy or reluctant or hostile even toward any religious exclusive claims, you know, they want to kind of make it an equal playing field, we decided, well, if people are going to come to our church, we might as well say the thing that's most important to us right up front when they walk through the door. And so early on when we launched, you know, we would say, hello, you know, we're here from Brambleton Presbyterian Church. Um, We're part of the National Capital Presbytery. And then we'd explain a little bit about what that was about. And, you know, we are here in this community because we believe that God offers the world something unique in Jesus Christ that you are not going to find in any other religious, political, philosophical, or humanitarian system out there. And we know that this is a really bold statement, um, but we believe that when people have the courage to believe this and to actually call Christ Lord and Savior, that they will experience transformation in their lives and that it will be so compelling and inspiring and that God will use them. So, you know, we would just put that out there right up front and then we would Mm -hmm. say, you know, this is what we're about and if you stay with us long enough, you know, you can decide for yourselves whether or not what we're presenting is something that you can believe. And so that was another transition in our, our thinking, and I'm sure you've heard this before as, as well. For many years in our country, in the United States, there was a sense about church or, you know, coming to a church where you would want people um, to believe and then go through the official process of belonging. So they'd have a you know an encounter where they decided okay I'm in I believe what they're saying about God's offer in Jesus Christ I believe it now I want to belong well we've had to sort of turn that phrase around and actually do church in such a way where people can belong before they believe and so you just have to you have to shift some things around a little bit like that yeah. so you know once they decide they want to belong you know they they go they go from belonging to believing then Immediately in that range of their relationship with us, we say, okay, you're here now, so here's what this means. It means we want to do a faith portfolio with you where you make some commitments to four areas that will help you grow in your faith or form faith around God's unique offer in Jesus Christ. So then you know, we would sit down with them and do a faith portfolio where they make a goal for worshiping and growing and giving and serving in their lives. Hmm. So, you know, a lot of what I'm saying to you, you probably are picking up is very experiential based and less program programmatically based.
0: Mhm. So. Hmm. That's excellent. It sounds like you're very very clear about who you are and you state it right up front and um and you embrace folks that to help them want to belong. Right. And that way they can you can shape them uh, or help them get shaped in the uh, uh, in the faith. Yeah, very good. Right.
1: And we're clear, too. You know, I mean, there's a lot when you come to the church, there's a lot about we exist for the ones who are not yet here. So there's a lot of intentionality about reaching out and inviting and including more and more people. Um, so that just, that, that, it's, that is part of the air people breathe in every aspect of what they're doing. This party is not just for us. It's a party for as many people as who you know who will accept our invitation to come kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: other thing that we have really found when it comes to um, living with the thought of giving Christ away or introducing others to Christ uh, is that it's really important to build ministries of compassion, in the, in the fabric of what we're doing. It's not just about us. I mean, we live in a very affluent setting um, in Brambleton. It's one of the most affluent settings in the U.S. in a certain bracket. And um, it's, it's really important. One of the things that helps people come to terms with what we're saying is that we're actually investing the resources that we've been be- blessed with to actually help people who really wouldn't have the help unless we were Extending ourselves so so all kinds of missional acts or acts of compassion are also very important in the context of a missional church.
0: mhm, so you coach i, I guess where my next question was going to be where do you get coached or guided or resourced for this work but but perhaps you could even blend it in to to how you're it sounds like you're coaching guiding um the parishioners, or the, uh, into, being, um, with acts of compassion, or going beyond the church walls, or being, you know, blessed to be a blessing, kind of a thing. So, can you talk about, you know, how, how do you get coached and guided, and how perhaps maybe you coach and guide others?
1: Um, sure. That,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, Rick Warren says something um, that I think is. It's so simple, but it's so profound. And he says, you cannot lead others where you yourself have not been. And mm. so, you know, this concept of coaching that you're talking about is so important. I mean, so much of my ministry identity is spun around the co- the concept of being together in a small community and moving something forward. It's sort of the Coleman you know, plan, the master plan of evangelism that we all read back in the 1970s or whenever it was. So there's always been, in my identity as a minister, a, a group of people that I could look to or who could guide me. In new church development work in the Presbyterian Church, it's a requirement, as well it should be. So when uh, a presbytery discerns or that you are coming to come on and help them move a presbyterian church or bring a presbyterian church into being plant one you are automatically matched up with a coaching system in the presbyterian church that that matches you to a specific coach that can help you through the process um so so that's part of my reality mm. also just in this last year um My colleague and I, there's another pastor at this church, uh, reached out to a network that's not Presbyterian. It's uh, it's, uh, the Nelson Searcy crew. They're at the Journey Church in New York. He's one of Warren's protégés. And they have developed a specific coaching um, system for new church development pastors that have to do with pragmatics. So, you know, you talk about assimilation systems and you talk about... Uh, particular kinds of small groups that work in churches that have just launched. And you talk about how to deal with some of the early on stewardship issues in the context of the small group. So those are the two official coaching systems that we're in, both myself and the other pastor at this church. And then I just have a whole host of colleagues that I call upon when I get stuck. You know, I'll, I'll call Gareth Eisenogle, who was. Uh, the senior pastor at the last church I served who is an expert in small groups, and I'll talk through a particular area that I'm stuck on. Or, I have friends who are doing lots of um, helping nonprofit uh, Christian organizations plan their budgets and whatnot, so I'll connect with them.
0: Mm.
1: So there's lots of networks out there. And I read, read, read. I read. <laughs> okay. You know, I have to say to anyone who's thinking listening to this um podcast and thinking about uh new church development, you really should have no illusions of grandeur going into it. Uh, church planning is not for the faint-hearted. It it mm-hmm. truly is the kind of ministry where you have to roll up your sleeves and be willing to do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Um and you know part of whatever it takes is getting yourself into a network of coaching where there is coaching going on but where there's also fellowship because it's lonely work and accountability um i think you know more than any of the other ministry i've been in there's the temptation to feel like it's all up to you in new church development work and you've got to have a network where you can uh be called into account Around that temptation and help to resist it
0: mm. that's excellent advice. Thank you so much what to um maybe you could even um, summarize or go back to what one or two things you know, this this podcast series is called making it real so what one or two things should we take away from this conversation to make it real uh, so what concrete steps could you recommend for others to perhaps contextualize the, you know, the missional church or the, the, um, the this concept in their own um, setting? What would you say there?
1: The first thing I would say is um, when it comes to missional church work, authentic relationships are key. There's no way around it. And it takes time to build credibility when it comes to authentic relationships. So, you know, there's often a lot of pressure in NCD work and probably in any ministry to produce a result, numbers, conversions, whatever you want to call it quickly. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing the kind of missional work that we're talking about, relationships are key. And it takes time to build relationships. You just can't shortcut that. And um, I, I was—that was a frustration point early on. It took a good two and a half to three years before the people who lived in this community decided, okay, they're all right. You know, we may not buy everything they're doing, but they're basically decent people. So, I mean, you just—you can't shortcut the time that it takes to get there. Mm. And the only way to do that is to be out there and to be in relationships. You've got to be accessible. You've got to be meeting people. You've got to be, you know, you just got to be out there. It can't, it can't happen any other way. Um, and then the other thing that I would say in terms of making it real is, and this is, you know, part of our identity as uh, Presbyterians, it's part of our Reformed way of thinking, you've got to be really clear that you're called into this kind of ministry. And, you know, that that has got to be clear. It's got to be clear to you. It's got to be clear to the people that you're leading. It's got to be clear to the people who actually discern that you're the one. That has to be crystal clear because you'll come back to that over and over and over again. The second thing is, um, you know, related to call, you've got to be in community. You can't do it on your own and the community has got to be connected to the commission in particular the great commission the church exists for those who are not yet here so that that would mm. those would be my two things relationships wow. and call call community and commission
0: that's powerful advice thank you <laughs> thank you uh, finally uh, the last question i have is uh, and you already shared one of your favorite books um milford Manitrea's shaped by god's heart are there other recommended readings or resources that, um, even videos, podcasts, or networks that you'd recommend for um, the listening audience?
1: Sure, and I could probably go on and on and on because I I love reading. But um, I would say that you know there's just all kinds of you know for background on on the missional way of thinking. I think one of the best books besides you know, Minitria's book was helpful because it just had a lot of concrete, here's some concrete pra- pragmatic steps that people who are thinking about either transformation work in a church or new church development, these are steps you can put in place that will help you. Um, I think a, a book to read before that would just be a lot more of the the philosophy and the thought, the, the more critical thought around some of those concepts, and it's it's a book written by Robert Weber Um, and I think he might be at Wheaton or somewhere in the Midwest, but it's called The Younger Evangelicals Facing the Challenges of the New World, and it really makes a beautiful case for um, the missional church. So I would recommend that book. Mm. Um, The Presbyterian Church has done some phenomenal research. It was, I think, a 10-year longitudinal study that had all kinds of funding from Uh, The the Pew Charitable Trust, the Lilly Foundation, uh, which enabled them to, uh, you know, they looked at all kinds of churches of all kinds of sizes, of all kinds of backgrounds across the United States over a 10-year period, and they asked the question, are there any things that growing churches have in common? And they came up with 10 strengths that are present in all churches that are growing or missional to you know, using the language of this call, I think this is really valuable research for anybody in ministry now, no matter what you're doing. And it's called Beyond the Ordinary: Ten Strengths of U.S. Congregations. It was put together by Cynthia uh, ever and Deborah Bruce, and that came out of General Assembly um, at the Presbyterian Church USA. Phenomenal book, very helpful. Um, and then. One last one on uh, two two other ones on church planning. I would recommend uh, a resource that the PCUSA has put together, the Office of Evangelism, the Church Growth people, the Church Growth staff people, um, called "Starting New Churches: A Process of Discernment." Um, Mm -hmm. I would recommend that you probably have that at the Presbytery there. Um,
0: We do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's
1: great great resource for Presbyteries or Call you know PNCs that are thinking about how to go about you know putting the wheels moving, getting the wheels moving as as so to speak as it pertains to getting a new church development going. Mm-hmm. I think that um, Jim Collins' book Good to Great is great to read. No, mm-hmm. no pun intended. Good to Great. Yeah. He has a <laughs> He has a monolith. Uh, that's a business book, but he has a monolith that he wrote for nonprofits that. Uh, help people in nonprofits like churches to think about how to quantify success uh, beyond metrics, you know, the bottom line, how many people, how much money. So it gives you permission as a nonprofit leader or a church leader to actually say, okay, when we've seen five answers to prayer this month, then we know that we're hitting our benchmarks or whatever. He's done a fabulous job with it, still a lot of the same great ideas as he wrote in the business book, but just more um, palatable for where we are in the kind of work that we do in the church. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I would recommend that one. And then if you're doing um, new church development work, I would recommend checking out the Nelson Searcy Coaching Network as well, the PCUSA Coaching Network and the Nelson Searcy. And I would be glad to help anyone who wants to Talk more about the PCUSA network for new church development pastors. I'm in that network, and um, I'm actually in the process of becoming a coach, so I could I could help with that, and I'd be glad to.
0: Hmm. Is there a, a direct contact information you'd like to leave on on this call? Or
1: um, I don't know if I have it before me, but you could go on our on our national webpage www.pcsa.org, uh click on to the um church growth and you would want to uh talk to Philip.
0: Okay. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so very very much for your outstanding ministry, your time with us today, and your love and passion for Jesus Christ. We're very much richer for this experience, and I just wish the, you the, the God's very best um blessings to you and your and your family.
1: Well, thank you so much. And it was a great privilege and an honor for me to talk about these things with you. And I hope that it's a blessing for any others that may be listening. And may God bless your ministry as well.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Take care.